All gas, no brake. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jet Podcast. And I'm your host, John June. And next to me, to my to my left, I got my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what's up, bro? What's up, John? How are we feeling today? You know, feeling good, man. It's, it's you know, surprisingly coming off of a loss here. Um, jet fans are feeling positive. Um Coming off a 28-24 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game where, you know, felt like the Jets would actually pull out a win here. I mean, for they looked like the the, the more in-control team. I don't want to say the better team. Uh, they, there were at points where they did look like the better team, but they looked like the team that was in most control uh, for about three quarters. Uh, the Bucks scored. 11 points in in the final fourth quarter in the final quarter there um you know to close this game out uh, Tom Brady engineering a uh, a game winning 93 yard uh touchdown drive uh with no timeouts and I believe about 50 something seconds uh on the clock no was it how much time was left on the clock Frank do you remember 206 is when they ran that fourth and two play. Okay, so it was under two minutes. It was about two minutes with uh, with no time on the clock or no timeouts there for the Patriots. Or for Patriots. I, I don't know why I do that often. Uh, for the for I know the, why you do that often. I know why I do that <laughs> uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers there. And so, um, all in all, it was a it was probably the Outside of the Tennessee game, it was probably the most exciting game to watch as a Jet fan because, especially down this stretch, it was definitely the most exciting uh, down this, you know, this most recent stretch of games that they've played. Um, but you look at this team, uh, you look at the weeks that they've put together, um, you know, they play a close game against Tampa Bay. They beat a team in Jacksonville that they should have beaten. They play a, you know, they they're leading against Miami for for much of that game before before losing it. Um, you know, New Orleans. You know that game. You know, again, that was a close game for much of the third, much until the third quarter. The the Philadelphia game that was a that was a game for you know the first half really. I mean, the Jets scored 18 points in that first half. So. Uh, there's a there's a lot of good here uh, when you really look at it on the whole over these last few weeks that they've been making steady progress and and you know some of the progress that we expected them to to make. I think that you know in the preseason we get so hyped up, especially as as we get closer to kickoff and we're reading all these these training camp these training camp puff pieces and we start you know getting higher expectations for the team that we might we might actually think but you know when you look back at the preseason prognosis like you know we really thought that this team would struggle the first few weeks of the season and that they would pick up their stride you know around this time especially them being a young team I mean we had them winning more games but they've already you know they've doubled their win total from last year but Frank what did you think of the the, the team's overall performance 
on Sunday? And, and how did you, you know, how, what emotions were you feeling just kind of watching, watching them play this game? This is the best I've felt sitting down this year, watching them play more than Tennessee, more than Cincinnati. Like when you look at the other, you know, the other wins, Cincinnati, I don't really count because that was the Mike White game and he, he's not our future. You know, he had a great game, but he's not our future. So I, it was hard for me to get excited about a, that game. Tennessee was cool. Jacksonville last week, that was that first step. But we talked about it last week about Zach Wilson needing the, these consecutive weeks, right? Like he'll have a good game and then he'll have a really putrid game or a so-so game. Like this is the first time where he put two really solid games back to back. And I think that's important with his development. Like, like he wasn't trying so hard and he had some, like when I think about things we liked about Zach going through the draft processes, we talked about tight window throws. We talked about his accuracy and we talked about his anticipate or his lack of turnovers that he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. And I think you saw that all in this game. So there's, there's three plays that really stand out that one was the screen to Ty Johnson, where he had Vita Vea barreling down on him, where he like flicked it over, just flipped it over his head. And Ty Johnson went for, I think it was 22 yards. That was play number one. And then, then there are two plays in the third quarter, which were incredible to me. One was the, uh, the past Kenny Yaboa over, over the middle where he, he threw the ball to his back shoulder, which protected him from getting killed by that safety that was barreling down. And then the next was that crosser to Braxton Berrios to, to keep that drive alive. I thought those were key. And, and all, all day, he, he wasn't trying to do too much. He wasn't really trying to play hero, hero ball as, you know, he has known to do throughout the year. And I, and I, I contribute, and I told you this off air, I contribute a lot to the Jets being smart enough to hire John Beck and put in Michael Floor up into the box. Yeah, uh, he made he made a, a lot of really good throws. I mean, you know, I, I was, you know, you and I were talking early, you know, during the game, and and it was just, like I had said it, I was like, you know, he looks confident. You know, you know, he looks he looks in command early uh, of this offense, and and. It just he looked the most comfortable that we had seen him. Uh, you know, there was a you know other times we had seen him be comfortable for about a quarter or you know a half, but we'd never really really see him be comfortable throughout a game. And 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 the uncomfortability that he experienced in that second half was more due to circumstances than really his own play, right? Like. You know, you you've got you lose George Fant early in that game. You get Chuma Adoga in that left tackle, and you know Chuma Adoga was uh, was a walking lowlight reel basically for for the for the remainder of that game. I mean, every time they showed a highlight, he was on the end of it. Uh, it just it wasn't well. You know, didn't you know? It, it, he was just getting demolished there. Um, you know, losing Michael Carter early in that game to a concussion after he rips off like a 50-yard run. And Austin Walter, I mean, he's he's like a Michael Carter like light clone, like like he, you know, you could you could definitely you could put a thirty two on him, and and you could convince me that he was Michael Carter 
Um, just you know, probably something. I would say something's off, but he, this guy he could play, man. He definitely could play. Goodbye, Michael P. Ryan. Yeah, definitely. Uh, goodbye to the key to the Jets' offense, known as Michael P. Ryan. But um, you know, to your point about about uh, you know Zach and his and his performance. I mean, he he made a ton of really good throws. There was one throw. Uh, I I don't think you mentioned it. The one to Keelan Cole. Uh, on the post route, just gets it right over the linebackers, uh, right in front of the safety there, puts it in a perfect spot. Keelan Cole gets it, lands on the one-yard line. I mean, uh, it was just – it was a different Zach Wilson. It was the Zach Wilson that we had seen coming out of of BYU, the one that we had raved about here on this show. Uh, the guy has a ton of talent, and and like I said, I you know I've been hard on Zach Wilson, but that's also because I expected a lot at I expected a lot out of him, uh, and you know we haven't seen it all early, but like we were saying last week, like the Zach Wilson can be, you know, we know that maybe he won't be a top five quarterback in the league, right? Like that's probably not in the cards for him, but you know, could he be, you know, top ten, top fifteen? Could he have a year? where, you know, maybe he's in the MVP discussion just because he statistically has a really good year. And you watch him operate this offense. And like you said, you know, getting, you know, the screen pass out to Ty Johnson. There was another throw uh, where he lost it out to Tyler Croft for, you know, so he can run for a first down, even though he's, he was dealing with some pressure. And you re- you really look at it and you say, okay, well, you walk into this game, uh, obviously you lose Michael Carter. Uh, you don't have – you don't have um, – Elijah Moore, you don't have Corey Davis, you don't have Jamison Crowder, your top receiver is Braxton Berrios, uh, you got Kenny Yaboa, an undrafted free agent, as your other your other top target running around out there. Um, you really look at this offense and you and you really see a world where, like, hey, if you surround him with pieces, right? Like, you know, I, I like to compare quarterbacks a lot of times to to point guards, right? Uh, and, you know, Drew Brees was like that. He played he played quarterback like a point guard where he's got all his five eligibles and and he's distributing the football. And, you know, I compared Mac Jones to that, you know, when he was coming out and in Zach Wilson, in every sense of the world, he can be that he can be the, the distributor. The difference between Zach Wilson and these other guys is what he can do that the what he's what he can do when the play breaks down like what we saw against Jacksonville last week where he can take off for a 50 yard touchdown run and I think that's the difference between him and the rest of those guys and that's why we we were so high on Zach Wilson that's why people that were high on Zach Wilson are very high on him because he's got both these elements to him where last week you watch him run for 100 yards and 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 a touchdown there. And this week, it's it's he's you know throwing for two thirty and, and a touchdown. Didn't even have a rushing yard in in this game. Or I guess he ends up with a, a yard at the end of the game. But like, you know, he he's really showing his his talent, and it's it's really his, the you know the true Zach is starting to shine within this offense. Yeah, man. <clears throat> like I think. I think this is when we talked about it, this is the promise we wanted to see towards the end, right? And and you mentioned that you wanted to see like a Darnold-esque performance where his last four guys and Zach's kind of doing this with less weapons than Darnold have had, if if that's even possible, you know. You talk about Darnold, he had Herndon when Herndon was still 
a talented tight end, a uh, talented pass catcher. He had Robbie Anderson. Well, you know, like G- we said, he, he had the best version of Chris Herndon that yeah, there was. <laughs> exactly. And he had Robbie Anderson. We're doing this with Braxton Berrios and Keelan Cole. And, like, it's like the Jets receivers will make a catch, and then, the, like, the next three pass attempts are, like, terrible drops. Like, Keelan Cole had it had a terrible drop. Montgomery had a bad drop. Uh, Smith had a bad drop. Uh, and Denzel Mims. Yeah, can't, can't, I was going to say, can't, can't get on can't the field. field. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I, that's not talk for today. But um, that fourth and two call, John, what do we think? Look, man, I, I like – I mean, I don't think anybody's arguing the call to go for the first down in that situation, right? I don't know. I, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying we should have kicked the field goal. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I I feel like that would be a moot point when you consider the fact that Tampa Bay drove down and scored a touchdown and then converted a two-point conversion, right? Like, so who's to say that they wouldn't have gone for the two-point conversion at that point? Like it's Bruce Arians, right? He's he's the guy that says if you're not, I no think, risk it, no biscuit. No, yeah, no risk it, no biscuit. <laughs> like this is this guy. Like he was going for the two no matter what. And it's Tom Brady, and Tom Brady loves to beat the Jets. And I'm sure they didn't want to go into overtime. Yeah, right. Especially like... especially with the whole AB situation <laughs> that you had the broadcasters calling the Bucks front office. While they're doing a game, I was like, I'm sure they just wanted to get the hell out of New Jersey. Yeah. They were trying to beat AB back to Tampa. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, like, I don't see any argument against having gone for it. Like, right? Like, I don't, like, you could have literally, they get the first down right there. They The game is over. That that game is done. You kick, you could then kick the field goal. And and maybe get and give the ball back to Tom Brady with like twenty seconds left and say good luck get a touchdown now right like I would live with that I would be okay with that I would sign up for that in a heartbeat so the actual call right and once we saw QB sneak on fourth and two we're like whoa this that was a terrible call like and you you even uh. You know, you were even texting me like, hey, I think Salah had to call that because Michael LaFleur, like this is unlike the Michael LaFleur that we have seen. And then we find out more after the game that, hey, this was actually a quarterback sneak option play where Zach Wilson, he's supposed to read if there are a defender in the A-gap, if there's no defender in the A-gap, you run the QB sneak. If there's a defender in the A-gap, you hand it off to to the receiver running the reverse. In this case, it would have been Braxton Berrios. And many people, uh, many, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks, among many others, have watched the film and have said, if Braxton Berrios gets the ball, he scores. Zach Wilson should have handed off the ball and goes into this whole thing. But Robert Sala had come out in his post-game presser and had stated that, you know, there was a miscommunication that there is this option play um, and that, you know, in that situation, Zach Wilson should have been handed, should have handed the ball off. That communication was not made for, to Zach Wilson, which is pretty disappointing, especially considering that they were coming out of a timeout. So how, like you go, you, you line up to run the play and then you call a timeout and then you run the, and then you call the play again, right? Like 
during the those that interval there of, of time, there should have been a conversation. How, how does that not happen? That's on coaching. But you can't blame Zach Wilson for doing what he's coached to do, given the play and you know the the rules of the play. He's just going through his. It's an if then statement, right? Like if there's if there's a player in the a gap, then if there's a player in the a gap, uh, then run the reverse. If there's if the a gap is open, run the QB sneak. That's it. Yeah, it's there's not no- and it's not an and or it's or it's or <laughs> yeah. If this right? then so like, that. So there's got to be like, but like you and I talked about this, Frank. I think this is I would much rather have this discussion about this game on Jan you know on January 4th as we sit here 2022 happy new year by the way to all our lovely listeners but I'd much rather have this discussion now about the 4 and 11 New York Jets and and it costing them a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus next year when we expect this team to be competing for a playoff right like what are, what are your thoughts on it Frank yeah, I agree with that sentiment exactly. And not only are we talking about a young team, a young coaching staff that's learning, right? And that and that's what I put I boil everything down to. Sal's a young head coach, right? So he's probably fumbling a, a, along with that timeout. The same thing with LaFleur, young coordinator. He's probably his mind's probably because it's the first time in this type of situation, really, you know, with this type of quarterback, because you know this is what Brady does for a living. So so they're probably trying to get the best play, and th- and they forget to tell Zach that listen, it is, forget about the option, just give it to Barrios, right? But we're talking about the intricacies of a play call rather than Zach Wilson making a mistake. Him like this is obviously this is him making a mistake, but it's not him throwing an interception. It's not him fumbling the football that gives the ball late to Brady. This is I'm a hundred percent certain that this this is could be classified as a coaching blunder, not Zach Wilson being selfish. Not Zach Wilson trying to play hero ball, which we've heard probably for the last couple of days at nauseum on on Twitter, on on the post game shows, on uh the talk the talk shows here in New York. Um on WFAN, like that's all we've heard. And like, I'm getting really sick and tired of this Zach Wilson, rich kid, selfish attitude when we don't have any facts to support it at the present. At least we don't, we don't have the facts to support it at the present moment. Yeah, it's tough, man, because, right, like, like, like you were saying, right, like, I'd much rather be talking about how Zach Wilson and the Jets coaching staff, there was a miscommunication about the intricacies of a play, right, like, I'd much rather have that discussion than, like, oh, my God, Zach Wilson made this terrible interception at the end of the game where he, he blundered, he, he, collapsed under pressure you know the game was too big for him or this moment was too big for him it was like no there was a miscommunication about what they should do on this play right and you know 
that is a conversation I'd much rather have. Now, in regards to him personally, his personality, look, all quarterbacks don't have to be all quarterbacks. You you would love your quarterback to be the nicest guy in the world. You'd love your quarterback to be the most personable person in the world. But sometimes it doesn't always happen like that. People talk about Aaron Rodgers and how, you know, he's not the, the easiest guy to get along with, right? Like we've heard that about Ben Roethlisberger, about how, you know, he can have a bit of an ego and and be, a, and, and be um, you know, a little bit hard to deal with, especially if you have a, a large ego as well, you know, suffer, struggle with Antonio Brown, even Le'Veon Bell reportedly. So, right, these things happen, but they don't, you only care when you're not playing well, right? Like Josh Rosen, we heard it about him a ton, right? Like, he 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 hasn't panned out. So if you if you don't play well, people are going to make a big deal about it. But if you play well and you win football games, nobody's going to care. Now well, you're almost revered. Yeah, like almost revered. like here's the thing: we 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 don't we don't know. We have no idea, right? Willie Cologne went on the you know went on the fan and and said, you know, hey, you know, I I've heard some things. But I'm not going to disclose them, but like. We don't we don't know for exactly what's happening or what's what's going on behind the scenes, but it doesn't really matter. Let the product on the field really tell you what what the story is, right? Like let that be what we talk about, and that's what upsets me when, when we talk about the post game show and Bart Scott and Willie Cologne. You know, Leje Dusable broke down the game. He broke down Zach Wilson and, and his play, but like you're not hearing anything about how the kid played on Sunday. And like I said, I've been hard on Zach Wilson myself. But I'm going to sit up here and I'm going to talk about how what when he's played well, when he's done well. Because again, whether if you, if you don't if you watch the kid on Sunday and you feel like playing without his his top his left his uh, starting left tackle, the backup left tackle, his starting center, uh, and your your starting your your wide receiver one, your wide receiver two. You're running back one and you're running back two. You're missing all of these pieces. And he goes out and has the performance that he did on Sunday against a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that, yes, they have struggled with the second in the secondary. But, you know, uh, you know, if you were listening to the Bucks broadcast. They were even saying on the radio that, they, you know, of all the rookie quarterbacks, Zach Wilson was the best that they've seen all year. And they've they've seen they've seen. uh They've seen all of them. Except so, Trey Lance. That's it. Except for Trey Lance. So, you know, if you really look at it in a vacuum here, right, like when it comes to Zach Wilson, if he can, like you said, if he can string together that, like like I talked about with, with the Sam Darnold, right? And it wasn't, it wasn't, it was more about how you felt watching the game, right? Like, I didn't, you know, the numbers, numbers, they do matter to an extent, but I don't care as much about the numbers as much as I care about like the progress that he's making because all of that stuff requires context, right? Like you were talking about the weapons that he has, the la- or the lack of weapons that he has, the offensive line issues that he's dealing with. Like, so you have to take all that into context when when you're looking at Zach Wilson and his performance over these last few weeks. But how is he going to look against Buffalo? Against a Buffalo defense that a you haven't played yet, uh, you know, b is playing for something, right? Like, like Buffalo needs to win this game in order to win the division here. So, like, you you potentially play spoiler here, but you're going to be playing a Buffalo defense that needs something, a Buffalo team that needs something. And so, Zach Wilson, what I'm looking for from you, uh, and obviously we're going to break down the game and all that, but 
I'm just looking for for more progress here uh, as as we close out this season. Yeah, but but before we go and move on, I want to add on to what we were talking about. You know, with uh, Bart Scott and Willie Colon in particular. Bart Scott was talking about how he want he wanted to see Zach do more of the little things. You know, you know the mundane things, and I think we saw that in the game, right? Him starting to get that concept more. What? What bothers me more, and I've been going back and forth on this because I don't like calling guys out without them having the chance to defend themselves, but it almost seems personal at this point. And I say that because these are football lifers, right? So they're not stupid. They're not like the normal football player, you know, the normal or football casual fan. The normal football casual fan, when they hear option, you know, they might they might think like that Zach Wilson had a choice of giving Braxton Berrios the ball. These guys are smart football guys. When they hear that option call, they should know that if there was no guy in the A gap, that he's he's got to run the ball. And for Bart Scott, after Zach's pressure to call Zach a liar, that there was no one in the A gap. Like it, it just seemed really personal to me, and I, and I, and I, I don't get why. Like I don't understand why it's personal. Like it should be, your job is to be as objective as possible, and it doesn't seem like we're getting that out of, especially the Bart Scott. It doesn't seem objective when I, when I look at it. Yeah, I mean, and that's just like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna say, hey, don't don't watch the post game show on SNY, but. That's why I'm just, you know, be mindful of the content that you're consuming, right? Like, be mindful of who you're listening to and, you know, whether they could potentially have an agenda or not. Like, and I don't know what Bart Scott's agenda is, you know, towards Zach Wilson. I don't know if he has one, right? But based on what we what we see, what we're seeing in his behavior, it seems like he definitely does have one. Um, you know, again, hard to speak on it, but it's you'd like to see again like you said you'd like to see an objective opinion here like especially as a fan right like we're looking to be educated right like we're like we look to players like Bart Scott and Leger Duzable and Willie Cologne to educate us and to show look to to tell us what's happening in a game that they played at a high level for a very long time right like what better resource than them to, to then to help us understand like what could be happening on Sundays, right? And the little details and intricacies of the game. But this, like you said, seems like a personal attack. So uh, again, you know, be mindful of it. Uh, be careful of the content you're consuming. I'll be my, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I don't watch the pre and post game shows um, just because like, I, I don't, I don't like to get, you know, you know, other biased by other people's. I mean, I obviously like to listen to other people's opinion and people's people's work, but, I, you know, there's people that I trust and that I listen to and, you know, and whose, whose work I follow and opinions I value. But for the most part, I like to keep myself in a, in a very, you know, I, I don't like to, to enter the, the eco chamber or the echo chamber, as we like to call it. No, I'm right with you, bro. Um, You know, let's talk about the defense. We, we spent a lot of time. Uh, I mean, 
the last thing I will say about the offense, because I, I will, be, I would be remiss if I didn't say it, because uh, you and I were talking about it off air before we started recording. This run game, man. Uh, I mean, there is a. This is a Tampa Bay, a Tampa Bay rush defense that is one of the best in the league, and it seemed like the Jets could could not be stopped when it, when it came to running. Uh, when it came to running the football there, uh, I mean, they ran for uh, 150 yards there on 26 attempts, uh, about 5.7 a carry, 5.8 a carry. So that's that's pretty good there against the Tampa Bay rush defense. Again, like I said, over the last two years, they've been one of the best defenses against the run. So uh, – to have that ability, uh, we you know we talked about how the Jets' offense is being be, or Jets' defense their inability to stop the run in recent weeks or in you know on the year, and how demoralizing that could be. Well, the same thing works. You know, it goes both ways, right? Like offensively, you know, the power that it gives you, you know, the 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 to understand that you know, like you can line up and you can run the ball and you'll always have that in your pocket and teams will always have to worry about that. Like that's an awesome feeling, uh, you know, going forward. And, and especially as we continue to, you know, as the jets continue to develop Zach Wilson. Yeah. And they did that with Adoga and Dan Feeney playing, right? We didn't, we haven't seen Beckton at pretty much at all this year. We lose, they said it on the broadcast that uh, fans rated in the top three or top five tackles of the of the year, and they said that Tampa Bay was given anywhere between I think it was seventy nine and eighty nine yards a game. I, I forget the exact number, but it was somewhere it was somewhere in that range that Tampa Bay was given up, and the Jets rushed for one hundred and fifty yards with pretty much um, their two backup running backs. Yeah, uh, you know, again, that's why it, it's exciting to, to think about what they could do when they get, you know, like a Makai Becton back, and you know, obviously we'll see, you know, where where he, you know, what happens with him in his future as as a debate on what side of the line he should play on and whatnot. But again, when you look at the, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going through some stuff over here, but when you look at the what they were able to do on Sunday against this Bucks defense. This Bucks defense is third in rushing yards allowed uh, on the season, rushing yards allowed per game. Uh, they they give up uh, 4.3 yards uh, per rush attempt, which is actually a little bit uh, higher than the, than what they usually give up. They they're usually around like two to three yards per per attempt there, um, you know. But the Jets again were able to run for you know, 5.8 versus, you know, they're allowed 4.3 on the season. So, uh, you know, it's almost a 25% or that's a more than 25% uh, difference there uh, in, in what the Jets were able to do versus what the Bucks have allowed all season. So when you look at, again, this going forward, it's definitely promising. Um, but defensively, I mean – they looked about as good as you would imagine them looking against Tom Brady for about three quarters. Yeah, like they there was nothing 
you know, number one, it's Tom Brady. And they had Antonio Brown for a half. And he, he looked like he was on his way to have a pretty decent, solid game. Um, I think the corners did really well. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, Hall was Hall. He had another great breakup deep down the sideline or that was closer to the uh, hash marks. I just love how good these opportunities are for him though, right? Like for Bryce Hall to line up with Mike Evans and 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 Antonio Brown for as long as he did and go and against Tom Brady. And he went against and Gronk. Gronk. He, he did line up against Gronk a couple times too. Like I think that this is so good for guys like Hall and Eccles and, and Carter Pinnock. and Pinnock, right? Like this is awesome for them, but continue. So that, that was good to see. Um, Mosley, again, all over the field, um, as, as usual. Quincy Williams had, a, I think, a decent game. Nothing really to write home about. And, the, and the, I thought the D-line played well. Nathan Shepard had a sack. You know? <laughs> I was going to text you after that. But I, was like, I was like, you know what? There's too much going on in this game. I said, I don't want to ruin any of this bad, uh, good juju that we're going on by talking about Nathan Shepard. Hey, man, I, I don't have a problem with Nathan Shepard, you know, the, the the defensive tackle. I have a problem with Nathan Shepard, the dude that gets penalties all the time. I have a problem with that. Like, like Nathan Shepard, I've said this before, He's he actually is a, a he's, he's an okay player. He's not a bad player. I mean, he's a bad player when you account for the penalties because you have to account for that, uh, you know, when you consider him you know, as part of your team, but you, if you erase the penalties, he's actually not a bad rotational defensive lineman. Uh, speaking of rotational defensive lineman, this D line was gassed, man. I mean, they were going like, it was one of the deepest position groups that they had on this team, but on Sunday, it was, it was definitely tough sledding for them. You know, without being without Quentin Williams, uh, obviously, you know, they didn't have, uh, you know, Carl, they haven't had Carl Lawson all year. Uh, I think Foley Fadakasi was still out, right? So, like, no, Foley, no, Foley had a good game. Foley had a good game. He had a okay. couple of big stops. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I don't know why, why I was thinking Foley wasn't back. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, like, there, there's a, there was a point in the game, especially at the end of the game, where you're watching – this D line trying to get a pass rush on Brady and like <laughs> these guys were gassed, man. Like a sundial, bro. You could have timed them with a sundial. You know, and and yeah. I get it. Like the Jets got ravaged this year with the with their defensive line. Ravaged. You know, yeah, we talked I... about Lawson and Curry and Foley got hurt. Sheldon's been hurt. Rankins has been hurt. You know, the whole deep, pretty much the whole defense from top to bottom, has been been hurt the whole entire year. I'm like pretty sure at one point I saw Ron Ronald Blair running downfield with a running back on a wheel route, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, we we are in trouble right now." <laughs> that's like when we that's like when we had Sheldon uh, Richardson playing outside linebacker, and then Todd Bowles literally would tell them that he wasn't. Or like, yeah, but, <laughs> talk about tell, line. He coaches. would tell us, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, he wasn't playing linebacker. Would you like put Todd Bowles in your bucket? Yeah, Todd Bowles would definitely go in in the bucket of line coaches, hundred percent. Um, 
but yeah, no, defensively, I, I, I think that they've been solid. I know, uh, you know, Jeff Oberg's been getting a lot of, you know, heat recently, especially, um, but I thought that was a good game plan. Uh, you know, that was a good game plan there. And, and, uh, you know, they, 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 they gave us a chance. They gave the Jets a chance to win. The defense did so. And he's another young coordinator. He probably is. Yeah, he's got a little season into him now. You know, he takes over. He took over for Dan Quinn a couple of seasons. So he's got. He gets his feet wet, calling some games. Half, yeah, half a season for Dan Quinn, and then a full season this year. So take- he's got two half a season. So he's got like a full season. How how do you figure two half a seasons? Uh, actually, yeah. So the two years ago in Atlanta, uh, Dan Quinn took over the play calling duties, and then he relinquished them like near the end of the season. And so Jeff Ulbrich had split play calling duties with Raheem Morris. And then last year when Dan Quinn was fired, okay, he was just made the full-time coordinator. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, enough about Jeff Ulbrich's autobiography or his biography. Uh, let's talk about um, next week's game. And Frank... We obviously know where next week's game is brought to us by. Or who does next game next week's game is brought to us by? As always, this week's game is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Hey, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But the with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you could still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings, daily fantasy sports contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And as Frank mentioned, uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. And this line, uh, the Jets are 16.5-point road underdogs against the Buffalo Bills here. Uh, this total sits here at 43. Frank, I will ask you before we even get into anything. Are you surprised that the Jets, after coming off of a game where they were 13 and a half point underdogs and were able to cover the uh, those 13 and a half points and almost beat? Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are you surprised that they are now 16 and a half point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills? No, I think 
I think all the sports like Vegas, DraftKings, right? I think they're all looking at the Jets team, and I don't know if they buy it yet. I don't know if they buy Zach Wilson having another good game with Braxton Berrios as his only competent weapon. We don't know if Michael Carter is going to play. So do we do we think the the committee running back committee that we're going to be putting out there is going to have another game against another solid defense, right? Like that, that's the thing. Like if Zach Wilson has another game, like he had against Jacksonville and Tampa, like, I think that's going to go a lot towards us fans having confidence in going into the off season. Do you still feel that they should be 16 and a half point underdogs? If I told you that they covered each of their last three games, two of which in which they were double digit underdogs. Yeah. Cause look what Buffalo's fighting for. Yeah, I hear you. I definitely hear you. Buff- and it was Buffalo. I mean, Buff- I don't know. Buffalo's been getting a lot of respect lately. I mean, rightfully so. They're playing good football. They, they're they led by one of the top young quarterbacks in the league and Josh Allen. I uh, never thought that I would say that, nor do I do I want to say those words. But they're true, so I have to say them. So um, they were, what, I think 14.5-point favorites last week against Atlanta. And I was like, 14 and a half against Atlanta. Like Atlanta is not actually not a bad football team. Uh, they beat Atlanta by 14. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens here. I think 16 and a half is rich. Uh, I think that the Jets are playing confidently. I also have not picked the Jets to cover each of the last three weeks. So maybe that's why they have covered. Are you telling me not to do it this week? I have to though, because I I just I'm not gonna lie to the people about what I think, right? Like I think, knowing what I know, the Jets have played well. Uh, Buffalo again, good football team. They're fighting for something, uh, but Tampa Bay was fighting for something too, and the Jets gave them a run for their money. Uh, the Jets are going on the road. Not sure uh, what the weather is like at this point as we look out ahead of this game, but. 16 and a half, I got to imagine that the Jets find a way to cover 16 and a half. And maybe I just doomed them. But Frank, your thoughts? So a quick look at the weather at Buffalo on Sunday. It's supposed to snow. So there's that. For those that don't know, I'm... I'm Italian. With that being said, I'm very superstitious. And like John, I haven't had any of the teams, any of the Jets cover the last three weeks. So I'm going to go, I'm going to continue that trend. I don't think the Jets are going to cover the 16 and a half. And maybe by me saying that, you know, the Jets actually pull out, you know, a win that they should have had last week. And I don't know. Like, it's such a catch-22, right? The Jets beat Buffalo, and New England wins the division, and then we got to hear how great Mac Jones is because – and how great Bill Belichick is, you know, one a one-year rebuild when we've been rebuilding since 2011. You're thinking about this all wrong. 
Miami has an opportunity to play spoiler as well. So, and we've got Brian Flores. He's done this before. He spoiled, you know, first uh, first place in the number one seed in the AFC for the Patriots two years ago, which led to Tom Brady having, you know, obviously they didn't have home field advantage or anything, but either way, it was Tom Brady's last season. But either way, regardless, we could end up here in a situation where we could win, Miami could win, and Buffalo still wins the division. And we still get what we want. And we still get what we want. And Seattle loses. And Carolina. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, and we, Carolina. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said in Carolina. No, I was like, oh, no. no, we have to make a choice? No, okay. no, we don't. Um, so we also have to pick uh, our locks. And Frank, you go first, sir. Well, you just preluded to it like three seconds ago, I'm taking Carolina minus seven against Seattle. I've been rocking with Carolina. No, Car- they do play each other. No, the Car- I said the Cardinals. Oh, okay. You said you said Carolina. Did I? I meant to yeah. say Arizona. See? <laughs> yeah. So, because I, I was just going to say I've been rocking with them all year long, and I'm going to continue rocking with Arizona until I'm proven otherwise. Okay. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to go with the L.A. Chargers here. They're three-point road favorites against the Las Vegas Raiders. And this one's simply about my preseason uh, prognostication. The Chargers will be a playoff team. Uh, I actually have the Chargers. My preseason prediction was that the Chargers would be playing in the AFC Championship game against the Buffalo Bills. So in order for that to happen, Chargers need to win this game as they are in a win-it-and-in-it scenario against the Las Vegas Raiders. Winner of this game is in the playoffs. Uh, and so, rocking with the Chargers here. Uh, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and, and Austin Eckler and company are going to get it done and get the win here and, and cover three points. Can never go wrong with picking the Chargers. Justin Herbert's a hell of a quarterback. Unless you pick them against the Houston Texans. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, sorry if that blew up somebody's survival pool, and I'm just pouring salt in an old wound there. Oh, you definitely but, uh, are. You definitely are. That definitely killed somebody. Hundred percent. Um, hopefully it didn't kill anybody. Hopefully it, it just figuratively, you know, figuratively, yeah, figuratively. killed their survivor pool. Yeah, killed your survivor pool. Yeah, uh, not the pool, but just your entry. Uh, <laughs> For those that don't know, John is Captain Literal Man. <laughs> Captain Literal Man. I did not know that that was a person, but I'll take it. Um, But anyways, everyone, again, Happy New Year. We appreciate y'all vibing with us on this lovely Tuesday evening as we record this episode live, as we do every Tuesday. Um, I'm pretty sure that's going to change in the offseason, but I'll let, we'll let uh, production let you know about that and uh <laughs> frank's laughing because frank knows he's production <laughs> yeah so... i'm production john's john's talent i'm i'm the production no 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 i'm not talent I'm oh just, you're the talent my man i'm just a voice i'm here i'm just a face 
you know, handsome Frank wasn't enough, so they had to get handsome John in here. Um, anyways, we'll see y'all next Tuesday. Uh, hopefully the Jets are coming off of a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we can uh, get some things done here. So until next time, y'all, have a good one. We're out of here. Peace. Thank you.